Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show, episode three. We just were in Knoxville earlier today watching the Vols scrimmage. Well, not watching them, but talking to Josh Heupel after the scrimmage to talk about what he saw. Of course, it was closed off to media. So if you want content on that, we have a bunch at volreport.com and over on our YouTube page. But I'm Ryan Sylvia, Assistant Managing Editor. This is Noah Taylor, Managing Editor at ValReport.com on the Rivals Network. And today we want to preview this upcoming season. It's getting really, really close to kickoff for Tennessee in Nashville, September 2nd against Virginia in Nissan Stadium. And they come home the following week on September 9th. So on today's show, I'm going to ask a couple questions. We're going to answer, go back and forth on that. And then we're going to do a true or false segment, which I think will be a lot of fun and kind of go through what our thoughts are heading into the season. So let's jump right into it. It's been kind of the talk around town recently. There's recently been kind of a spike in people talking about the UTSA game, just kind of being like, oh, yeah, well, that might be a top 25 team. I think people are underestimating them. And it got me thinking, well, what are trap games? Obviously, you're not talking about an Alabama, Georgia, or necessarily even like a Texas A&M type of game. But what's a game on the schedule, Noah, that – you think a lot of Tennessee fans are looking at saying that's a win, that's an easy win, but could be pretty difficult. Not necessarily that you think they're going to lose that game, but just one that they need to to not sleepwalk in to make sure they stay alive. Yeah, UTSA is, is seemed like a popular pick the last few weeks, um, but I, I'm going to go with Missouri. You know, I it's a late November game. It's it's maybe a night game. You know, which is always tough in this league, no matter where you're at. Um, it's probably going to be very cold. And you've got Georgia the next week. And if Tennessee is playing like a lot of people think they will be playing in November for a shot in Atlanta, then that Georgia game is going to loom really, really large. And, uh, you know, you'd like to think that if you're a Missouri fan, that there's going to be a little bit of a chip on their shoulder going into that game, kind of given the way that, that Tennessee has beaten them the last two years under Josh Heupel. I, I've talked a little bit about Missouri, I think, a few weeks ago in our first episode. I, I talked about, you know, I, I like the pieces that they have back. I think last year, you know, they had a new defensive coordinator and there was improvement there. They returned some guys on that side of the ball. It's going to come down to quarterback for them. Um, I, that situation just doesn't seem like it's been, been, you know, situated yet, I guess, uh, heading into week one. So a lot of it will depend on that. But if I had to pick one right now, I think with the position uh, of it on the schedule, I think you got uh, UConn the week before. One, you'd think Tennessee would, would kind of, you know, have a low-stress afternoon there. But then you've got Georgia the following week. Missouri could, could does kind of fit that definition for me as a track game. Yeah, you mentioned it. Make sure you guys go back to episode one. We gave our full picks across the SEC for how we think each team will perform. If you watch that, you'll, you'll hear that Noah's much higher on Missouri than me. I have him. <laughs> And last in the East, so I don't necessarily agree with your take, but that's why it's a trap game because a lot of people are going to look at it and, and maybe think it's an easy win, especially, as you mentioned, the last two times Tennessee played the Tigers, it wasn't necessarily close. Um, but that's going to be Noah's pick, Missouri. I'm going to go with Kentucky. I think Tennessee wins that game. I'm going to put that out front. But Tennessee has to travel to Lexington. That's a team under Stoops that has always been good. They've never really been great and elite, but they've always been very respectable and a tough out. And I think a lot of Tennessee fans look at the history, uh, which it's hard not to get caught up in. I find myself getting caught up in it it too sometimes where you just look at the pure dominance Tennessee's had over Kentucky and how it just the series hasn't been close for decades now. And you kind of get caught up in that. 
And then you look at how Heupel's done against him. In his first year, he went to Lexington and won that game. It was a really close game. It was really high scoring, but he was able to pull it out, which was a signature win for him in year one. And then last year in Neyland, he just runs all over them. It, it's a blowout. Kentucky can't do anything on offense. And Tennessee jumps out to an early lead that it never surrenders. I think this year's game looks a little bit more like what it did in Heupel's first year, where I think Kentucky's offense, obviously an improved offensive line, which is going to help Devin Leary back there. Uh, and I think Devin Leary is probably a better college quarterback than Will Levis as well. And then with a new play caller, I think that that offense could have a lot more success. I think Tennessee survives. I think they win. But I think that game might end up with a closer final score that's up in the 40s or high 30s. And I think that might not be something people necessarily expect after what happened last year. Of course, Tennessee's defense We've talked about before, they've had a few games last year where the defense stepped up and were a big reason Tennessee won that game, along with games like LSU, Clemson, and Vanderbilt kind of, kind of stood out. I think it's going to be a different story in Lexington, but I'll say it for, I think, the third time. I have Tennessee winning it, so don't, don't kill me here. All right, I think Tennessee wins that football game, but we'll move on. I want to talk the biggest margin of victory Tennessee gets. We just kind of went going opposite directions here. Just talked about games we think might be a lot closer than people think. I want to talk about games that are just going to be absolute slaughters in the favor of Tennessee. And for this, we're going to take out Vanderbilt, of course, the, the weakest link in the SEC. That's not a fun answer. So outside of that Vanderbilt game, do you have a game at the top of your mind that you think Tennessee within conference will post the highest margin of victory in? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with South Carolina here. And part of me wants to pick Florida, but that's that's a road game. That's a place that's, that's tough to play. Mm-hmm. We do know that that is a night game. Um, but there's a couple factors here that, that kind of led me to this this decision. Th- that game, you mentioned it, that game last year in Columbia, you know, you, you expect that this Tennessee team has not forgotten that game. Uh, for one, it, it cost them a spot in the college football playoff. It cost Hendon Hooker at least a spot in New York at the Heisman Trophy yeah. ceremony. Um, I I think with South Carolina's schedule, that early, that front half of it is so brutal. North Carolina in week one, then they play Georgia. Mississippi State I don't think will be an easy out. It, a lot of it, again, comes down to quarterback. Spencer Rattler, if we get the version of Spencer Rattler that we saw the first half of last season, South Carolina could potentially come into that game against Tennessee at the end of September, maybe one and three or two and two. And now you get, if you get the Spencer Rattler against those teams, I'm not saying they beat Georgia, but that he's, if you get the version that beat Tennessee, that beat Clemson, that played Notre Dame in the, in the Gator Bowl, they've got a good shot to, to feel really good coming into Neyland Stadium at the end of the month. But I think with the revenge factor for Tennessee, I think that's a game that, that's kind of been, you know, in the back of their mind all off season. And the fact that South Carolina, they may come in a little bit unmotivated if the season doesn't start out the way they want it. And you, you got to imagine that Neyland Stadium crowd is going to be unrelenting for, for three or four hours that Saturday on September 30th. Yeah, I wrestled with this one. I came up with the question, but I still couldn't kind of make up my mind for a while. And South Carolina was one of the games that I was between because of all the points you just made. Just the emotional kind of tie in with that, with the way it went in Columbia last year and just kind of how disastrous it was for the team as a whole, but also specifically Hendon Hooker probably, as you said, kept him out of New York for the Heisman ceremony uh, and probably kept him from being a first or second round pick in the NFL draft. Who knows if he doesn't have those knee issues where he kind of falls in that draft instead of going to the Lions in the third round. But I'm going to go with the other Columbia. You just said it was going to be a trap game. 
It's tough to argue with the results Josh Heupel's had against Eli Drinkwitz. I'm not very convinced that that's going to be a very good team this year. I don't like their quarterback situation. I haven't been a big fan of what Drinkwitz has been able to do there on the field. Uh, two 500 seasons is not very great uh, two years into your SEC tenure. And like I said, I go back to the way that those two last games went. Of course, the first time they went to Columbia, it was kind of the game that Hypo broke out at Tennessee. It was the game that it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, Tennessee can can really, really put it to some teams on the offensive end. Just ran the ball everywhere they wanted to. Last year was closer at some points, but the way they finished that game kind of tells you that Tennessee is just in a better position than Missouri. So I'm going to go with that game. I think that it might not be that first time around. I can't think of the score off the top of my head. Uh, but last time they were in Missouri, I think it'll be a closer game than that. But I don't think Tennessee runs into much of a problem against them. And, and I think that Heupel kind of continues that dominance over Missouri and Drinkwitz. So two opposite takes on how that game goes from us. It'll be interesting to see how that one goes down. But that's my pick is Missouri. Now we're going to move on to the two biggest games of the year, Alabama and Georgia. Of course, Tennessee took down Alabama Neyland Stadium last year, a game that is hard to forget for Alabama fans for all the wrong reasons and one of the best memories a Tennessee fan will have in their life. And then Georgia, they go on and they drop the ball on the road. The score was kind of close by the end, but Tennessee wasn't fully in it the whole time, and it ends up being their first loss of the season and decides the SEC East. Now that's flipped. Tennessee gets the host Georgia in Neyland Stadium. The crowd, of course, is going to be ridiculously into it. It's going to be one of the best atmospheres, if not the best atmosphere in college football throughout the entire season. And then Tennessee has to go on the road and play in Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. And that's a team that, as we just talked about, Tennessee is probably pretty mad about South Carolina. I'm sure that's how Alabama feels about that Tennessee game because Tennessee fans rightfully have not stopped talking about it ever since then. I, I, I don't blame any Tennessee fan that is still talking about that. It was a ridiculous win, but I'm sure Alabama fans are sick and tired of it. So probably the two biggest games of the year. If you had to pick one, which game do you think Tennessee wins? You know, it's a testimony to how far this program has come when you ask a question like this. And it, it's a legitimate question. Tennessee, yeah. you think, would, would have a chance on both based on what they've done uh, last season. It's a tough one for me. You talked about the – reversing the revenge factor on Alabama's side. Nick Saban's been incredibly successful in those games. There, mm -hmm. There's very few – there's some, but there's very few examples of teams beating Alabama one year and then doing it the next year. Uh, I, I think that is tough. The game is in Tuscaloosa. That's keeping me from, from saying that one if I had to pick. I know their QB situation's a little bit iffy right there right now, but I, I think with Georgia, obviously – you know, back-to-back -back defending national champions. Um, but you get them in Neyland. And if you've got one loss heading into that game, there's going to be a lot to play for. Uh, and you, you got to expect that to be what Sanford was last year. You, you know Tennessee fans are going to want to match that and have the same thing said about Neyland that was said about Sanford and, and the noise in that game. Um, I, still a lot of championship caliber uh, talent on that team, but – I think with the quarterback change, the offensive coordinator change, a few missing pieces, I think Georgia will be due for one loss this season. So so why not Tennessee? If you had to pick a Georgia loss and say that they're going to take a step back, which I think they will, which a very little step, 
Yeah, I would say Tennessee's the game you would have to pick as their loss. I think Tennessee's pretty easily. I, I think almost everyone would agree Tennessee is going to be the toughest game on their schedule yeah. in the regular season, especially because it's on the road. As you just said, that crowd is going to be absolutely ridiculous. 100,000-plus people packed in Neyland Stadium. That's a game I cannot wait for. You kind of get chills thinking about that one. It should be a lot of fun. I'm going to take the Alabama game, though, just because I think Tennessee's performed very, very well against Alabama the last two times they're in Tuscaloosa and then the last two times Josh Heifel's played them. I'm going to flash back to 2019. Tennessee is over there in the Pruitt era, so very different team. But when Garantano lines up at the one-yard line and fumbles and it's returned 99 yards for a touchdown and kind of puts the game away, before that, if Tennessee punches it in, you're talking about a seven-point game in Tuscaloosa in a game that Tennessee probably doesn't win, but a game that Tennessee had no business to be in in the first place that they're pretty competitive in at that point and can probably take it somewhat down to the wire. The next year, obviously completely different. That entire team falls apart. But then you hire Josh Heupel. He goes to Tuscaloosa, and he has that game within seven points in the fourth quarter as well. He has that thing really close. It just ran out of steam. You could tell the depth wasn't there. They weren't fully prepared to go all four quarters against Nick Saban's Alabama team the wheels fell off and the final score just does not represent how that game went at all in my opinion and then obviously I don't have to tell you about what happened last year when Tennessee finally gets over the hump takes down Alabama so I think that if Tennessee is going to win either of those games it's going to be them snapping that streak in Tuscaloosa I think that'll be the next domino to fall for for Josh Heupel I think they snapped that streak on the road at Florida and then if if they have to win one of either Alabama or Georgia, I, I still lean losses in both of those at the moment. But if they're going to win one, I think it's going to be Josh Heupel going into Tuscaloosa and taking a, a second straight one over Alabama. Quarterback situation is very sketchy. You don't know who it's going to be yet. It, it seems like a three-man race that they're not happy with whoever ends up on top. So I think that Tennessee's in a position there to kind of run that score up a little bit against Kevin Steele's defense. And it, I think it'll come up to Tennessee's defense on the other end to see how much they can stop Alabama. So I think even if Tennessee loses that game, I think it'll be a close one. If I have to pick one, I'm going to lean that way instead of Georgia. But you said it. It's pretty crazy that neither of them are out of the realm of possibility right now. In such a quick turnaround, Josh Heupel's got this program positioned to be very competitive in both of those games. But the last just open-ended question before we get to the true or false segment is we're going to give our updated record predictions at the end of last show we gave them i don't know if anything's changed so let's hear it what, what do you think tennessee is going to do this year yeah i i've wrestled a little bit lately with with 10 and 2 9 and 3 i think i've said 10 and 2 since june and i'm gonna stick with that it, it comes down to really week three against florida um it, you know that that's a place tennessee hasn't won in 20 years Tennessee is the better program right now. They're the better team right now. Uh, but they, they were both of those last year, Neyland and, and Florida kind of gave them a, gave them a fight there. Uh, of course they don't have Anthony Richardson, who is a top five pick at quarterback anymore. Uh, but I, I think Tennessee wins that game, obviously, but I, I think that's where you're going to kind of learn about the rest of this season. Mm -hmm. you, you win that game. Then I, I don't really see a path where they're not going to win 10 games from there because you, you have the, that gauntlet of October, and then you've got Georgia in November. So you've got the Texas A&M at home, which helps, and Alabama we just talked about. 
Kentucky, Missouri are the two trap games we just went with, and then Georgia. I, I do think that they they lose two of those games between Texas A&M, Georgia, and Alabama. Um, but that I, I still feel pretty confident with, with your 10-2. and two. But, again, week three, you've got the Virginia <laughs> week one, Austin P. So you're not going to learn a ton about this Tennessee team for yeah. a few weeks. But I, I think that game in Gainesville is going to tell us a lot about where this team will finish. I've been on the same boat. Like, just I, I started nine and three all, all summer. I think I was saying nine and three. And then I, I still don't know. Maybe I'm getting caught up in the hype of football season, but I, I've, I've switched over to 10 and two, and I'll, I'll stick with 10 and two as well. And for me, it's looking at the schedule. It's like yeah. Tennessee is probably going to be favored in 10 games. Of course, that doesn't mean they're going to win all 10, yeah. but going into the year, they should be the favorite in, in 10 of the 12. And I think they have a good shot to beat either Alabama or Georgia. Right now, those are my two losses. I'll take the wins and all the other games that take care of business and they lose in those two. But even if you're dropping him to AM, even if you're dropping him to Kentucky, if you drop a game to Florida on the road, which that, that, that one's a little different because it's so early in the year. If you lose that game, it might shape how you finish. But even if you essentially what I'm saying, even if you drop one of the games randomly throughout the year that you don't necessarily expect to, you still have a chance to pull off one of those upsets that obviously Tennessee showed last year. No one thought they would lose to South Carolina. But since they beat Alabama, they still finished 10-2. and two. I think you could see a similar thing kind of happen if they drop one of those games where maybe they, they shock Alabama on the road. Maybe they take down Georgia at home. Like I said, I still think that the two losses will be those two big games and they'll take care of business, but just the way that Tennessee could cause an upset in one of those makes me lean towards 10-2. and two. But I would be surprised if they drop below 9-3 and three or above 10-2. and two. I think it's it's one or the other. I would be surprised if it went below or, or higher than those two marks. But I'm going to stick with 10-2 and two as well. And I think that that'll be my, my final answer. I've, like you said, we've wrestled with it, but it, it's starting to get time to, to put it in stone. So I'll, I'll go out there on the record. Officially 10-2. and two. But we're going to move on to our true or false segment, one that I'm pretty excited about. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Let us know in the comments as well on YouTube your answers to all the questions, but also just specifically the true or false ones. I'm interested to hear what everyone has to say about it. First one we're going to go with is, will Hypo repeat as the SEC Coach of the Year? I think this one will probably be the most unanimously voted one, but uh, I'm curious what you think. He won last year. Will he win back-to-back? Uh, I- I'm going to go – False. Uh, he will not win back-to-back. And I think part of that has to do with the expectation he's he's created. Um, we talked about 10-2. and two. I think 10-2 and two is, is going to be kind of a – 10-2 and two or 9-3, and three, but I think that's going to be a popular pick for this team. You mentioned it. The schedule obviously works out in Tennessee's favor. Um, they're they're going to be competing now in games that they weren't competing in two or three years ago. Now you're going into games against Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia, where – you're expected to compete and you're also expected to beat win games like Kentucky and Missouri. Um, and, and I think that that expectation is going to be like, well, if Tennessee is 10 and two, then, you know, they, they finished exactly where we thought. And and maybe that keeps Josh Heupel from, uh, from getting the uh, <laughs> coach of the year. Yeah. I'm going to agree and go false as well. Uh, I think the only path that he really has to getting that award for a second straight year is if he goes 11-1 or 12-0 and wins the East, which means he beats yeah. Georgia. And as we just said in our record predictions, we we don't have him being exactly that good. 
so I think that it'll either go to if Georgia can somehow run the table again, I think it would go to him no. or uh, maybe if Brian Kelly can pull out the West for a second straight year, he would be a big candidate for it. But I think Hypo will be towards the top of the voting, uh, but I, I don't think he'll fully take home that award just because, as you said, the expectations are, are very, very high and he would have to exceed those already very high expectations to be named with that award for a second straight year. And of course it's, very tough to win it two years in a row. So I'll go false as well. I think a lot of people will say false, but that's no knock to Josh Hypo. Of course, he is in store for another great season. But our second true or false question is going to be, will there be two or more players on the first team All-SEC ballot at the end of the year after zero were voted on the first team by the media at SEC Media Days? I'm going to go true. Um, I, I think it's because there's just so much experience coming back on this team. Uh, on both sides of the ball, especially even defense, you know, with, with, they bring pretty much everybody back, save for a few guys, Brian, Byron Rung being one. But I, I, I definitely think you get one on offense, at least one. Um, we, we, I've talked to a lot about the kind of season that I think Ramel Keaton will have. <laughs> and uh, I, I see it being similar to what Cedric Tillman did in 2021. I, I see a lot of similarities between the guys because they've both been in the program a long time. They both had very kind of, limited you know playing time in stats going into and then under Josh Heupel they've just kind of just you know burst onto the scene we, we saw Cedric turn in an all SEC year in 2021 and with even with his injury last year that rode him into the NFL draft so I see something a little bit similar with Ramel Keaton and if I think he's going to play like Cedric Tillman did that year then obviously I think he's going to have a shot at, at being all SEC but yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that and I think defensively I just mentioned Byron Young but um, I, I think his replacement, Roman Harrison, has a chance, too, for a really big year as well. I'm not saying he will be on there, but I, he's just one of those guys, I think, has has a, the ability to certainly be on that ballot by the end of the year. I'll tell you on this one as well and go true. I think the reason that they didn't have anyone on that first team ballot, which we got we got some questions about that over in the Rocky Top Forum, a little shameless plug over at VolReport.com. But we had some some questions like, what do you think kind of went into that? Like, I feel like a team that's projected to get second in the SEC East should have a player on the All-SEC first team. And I think it's more they have all this depth, and that's why they're so good, is they have all these veteran guys that are really good at their position, but maybe not, maybe not the best in the league. But then also it's tough to predict who's going to stand out. You said Ramel Keaton. Well, another guy's going to say Brew McCoy, and this yeah. guy's going to say Squirrel White, and this guy's going to say Dante Thornton. <laughs> So it's tough to really pick one guy sometimes. And, and I feel like that can kind of spread the votes around in some ways and make it tough for someone to land on that list when it's like, we think that a wide receiver is going to have a really good year, like a Cedric Tillman, as you mentioned, or as a maybe not as good as a Bullet and Cough Jalen Hyatt award, but a Jalen Hyatt-esque season. But who's it going to be? So I think that's more the question is, we're pretty sure it's going to be someone. We just don't exactly know who. And I think it'll be enough that they get to, I could very well see it being a receiver, whether it's Ramel or Brew or Dante. I think it's a little too early for Squirrel to get a first team nod, uh, but obviously in his career, he, he could very well do it by the time he's done at Tennessee. Um, I think the offensive line has some candidates. Uh, it'll be tough for Cooper Mays to beat out some of the other centers in the SEC, but if he can stay healthy, then I think that he has a shot to grab a first team spot. Javonta Spragans, I think, is one of the best guards in the SEC. Uh, it's another position that that can be tough to to get an award at, at as a guard, but um, I think he's got the caliber 
to put up a, a season that could land him somewhere over there. And I think D Williams is another guy that could just steal a spot as a return man. Yeah. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry at Alabama is the favorite right now to take that first team spot there. But D Williams is a, a professional returner. That's almost all he does. He, he's a defensive back, but he, he rarely sees the field in that aspect. He, he pretty much just fully focuses on being a returner. And he's been phenomenal in that role when healthy with Tennessee so I think that they, they could steal a few spots. I think that maybe they could get something on the defense. I don't think that's necessarily probably going to happen just because the team stats won't be good enough to justify yeah. putting one individual player on. But hey, like you said, Roman Harrison gets to the quarterback and records a bunch of sacks. It's going to be tough to not put him on one of the teams at least. But yeah. I'll go two or more. I think it'll be about two, though. I, I, yeah. I It's tough to say they'll get three, but I think that they'll, they'll manage two in some way or form. Uh, and also – I'll say one will probably be at the receiver position. Take your choice, but I think one receiver stands out above the rest and lands himself just pure numbers-wise impossible to leave off the list. Uh, but let's talk about the draft. We just talked about Cedric Tillman uh, going in the draft last year, writing the year before and getting a third-round pick. Of course, down all right, the 10th overall pick last year. Hennon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, and Byron Young also going early. Five total players last year. Will Tennessee exceed that mark and get up to six or more, or do you see them going five or less? So true or false, will they have over five selected next year? I, I'm going to go true. Um, I, I think, like you just said, they had five last year. And then you think about the guys that will be draft eligible this year, Joe Milton, who's already getting some high praise in his early draft stock, just based on his size and what he brings with his arm and things like that. Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton again. Um, those are just a, a few guys that I think are, if they have big seasons, they're definitely in there. They're, they're definitely going to be drafted. Um, we saw what, what this Kelsey Pope, and we talked to him yesterday, just what they were able to do with getting Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, who, by the way, that's, I think, going to help as well if they're, they're yeah. in for big seasons because they're playing really well in training camp. They're in for big years. That's going to really improve the draft stock of really any Tennessee receiver that has a big year this year. And, then, I mean, even the running backs, you look at Jabari Small, if he has his best season this year, that's a guy that could get in there as well. Um, I mentioned Roman Harrison. He'll be draft eligible this year as a senior. Uh, a guy that if he does as well as Byron Young did, Byron Young had a really good year last year, and it got him into the fourth round. I, I think that Roman Harrison could find himself in a similar spot if he's able to do that as well. Yeah, I'm going to also go over five. I That's another one, though, that – I think it's a, a tough pick to exactly make. I think Joe Milton gets drafted this year just purely based off of his physical attributes. I think yeah. someone's going to roll the dice on him. I don't think he'll be necessarily even a day two pick, but I think it's tough for all 32 teams to completely pass up in the draft on a Joe Milton who's just a physical specimen, essentially. <laughs> um I think there's some offensive linemen that have chances. I mentioned Javante Spragans earlier. It's it's the guard position, so I don't expect him to go too high, but I think that he's a guy that could get drafted. Cooper Mays is going to be draft eligible. Another guy that also, as I said earlier, just needs to stay healthy, and I think he could prove that he can be a, a solid center at the NFL level. I think that you, you have a couple wide receivers, as you mentioned, that are draft eligible, whether it's Brew McCoy, whether it's Ramel Keaton, whether it's Dante Thornton. All of those guys have chances to hear their names called. Um, I, I, would, I would be surprised if either running back got drafted or either tight end got drafted. But if you go over to the defensive side of the ball, Amari Thomas is a guy who could hear his name called. You mentioned Roman Harrison, where 
He's kind of been that guy that's projected to break out right now. You're not going to find him on many mock drafts, but if he can step in and kind of match that pro- uh, production that Byron Young had, he could definitely be be a guy selected. Aaron Beasley's another guy who has an opportunity to make himself some money at the NFL level. So I listed a bunch of guys. I don't expect all of them to get drafted. I'm not. I'm not crazy, but I do think that you'll get at least six of them that'll hear their names called. I don't think it'll be in the first round. I don't even necessarily think it'll be in the second or third round, but I think a lot of those guys could have good enough years that land them as fifth, sixth, or seventh round picks, which, I mean, you're on an NFL team uh, heading into the offseason. So that certainly counts and would be a, a great feat for Tennessee because that that is a lot of guys drafted. But there's a lot of returners from last year's successful team. They're in store what for what looks like another successful year. So it would make sense if they could keep building on that, but I'm not. I'm not too confident. I'll, I'll say that I'm. I'm not gonna sit here and say that's a lock. Uh, it very well could be five or less, but we'll have to wait and see. We're both gonna take the over for now, though. We have two left, though. Tennessee named number ten in the coaches poll. Uh, we found that out. We'll see where they land in the AP poll that comes out on noon Eastern on Monday. Where do you think Tennessee ends up? Are they going to finish 10th or better as a top 10 team in the college football playoff rankings by season's end? Yeah, yeah I'm going to go true with that. Cause I think if, you know, if we're going to go 10 and two, then, you know, that, that, that's kind of where they're going to have to be with, with this schedule. And that means that you're 10 and two in the sec, that always carries some weight, of course, but that means you picked up some really big wins along the way and you were competing uh, for an sec East title the whole season pretty much essentially. And then 10 and two puts you in a new year's six bowl. So, and that, that would be back to back for Tennessee, but yeah, I, I'm going to go uh, top 10 finish for Tennessee. Yeah. There, there's not much to say. You, you hit it 10 and two. If, if we're going to pick them to go 10 and two with an sec schedule, that's a top 10 team. So it, it's really that simple. So uh, I'll follow you there. Uh, if they go nine and three, it's a little bit different. You know, they, yeah. they, they probably slip towards the 12 to 15 range, but 10 and two, I think they're comfortably in the top 10, probably somewhere around the the 6 to 10 mark, uh, missing the playoffs, obviously, but I, that, that would land them in the top 10. So I'll agree. I think it's a top 10 team. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Last true or false question, though. Hendon Hooker last year, 30.1 yards on the ground per game. Now switching over to Joe Milton. Do you think that he will have more true? I'll, I'll phrase it this way. True or false, will Joe Milton have more rushing yards per game than Hendon's 30.1 yards mark last season? I'm going to go false on that. I don't think – I mean, we didn't get to see – of course, he was mainly in a backup role last season. We didn't get to see a lot of him, of Joe Milton design runs or even trying to get out of the pocket type plays. I, I also think, too, they probably want to limit that as well when you look at this quarterback room. They, they, they're very confident in Nico and, and what he has brought as a freshman – but I don't think they want to put Joe in any kind of situation where he possibly gets hurt or anything like that because you don't want to force Nico into there at this point if you can maybe redshirt him or have him sit, you know, not play as or play as little as possible. And then you've obviously got two guys that are walk-ons behind him. So I, I do think it's going to be less than what Hinden Hooker gave last year, uh, based on just them wanting to protect Joe and and you know just the way the game flows. Yeah, we're, we're not too controversial controversial here at the end of the show. After disagreeing about Missouri at the beginning, we completely agree all the way through our true or false segment. I'm going to go false as well. For Joe Milton, for, for him to 
kind of utilize his legs. And I think the way the coaching staff wants him to, and I think for what's best for him, isn't to run the ball necessarily like Hendon did, where all of a sudden Hendon's breaking out a first down run for a, a gain of 15 yards. Yeah. It's more so when that pocket collapses, when you start to have pressure on the edges or, or the offensive uh, or excuse me, the defensive line blows it up in the middle. Can you escape the pocket? Can you reset somewhere else? And can you deliver a ball down the field? He's a good runner. He's mobile. We all know yeah. that. But I don't think that he's necessarily a downhill, make a guy miss, spin up. Like you've seen Hendon Hooker spinning his way into the end zone and stuff. It's ridiculous. I don't think that's necessarily Joe Milton. I think it's more so him evading the pressure, stepping out of the pocket, being mobile in that way, and then throwing the ball, which is, of course, his biggest attribute is his big arm. So he's a mobile quarterback, but not in necessarily the same way as Hendon Hooker. So because of that, I'll take the under as well. I think he's got the opportunity to break out some runs if something opens up for him, but I don't think that's necessarily exactly what they want him to do. You touched on it as well. One bad play that results in Joe Milton injury. Obviously, it's not ideal to have Nico in as your quarterback, as a true freshman, as your primary guy. But I think the even scarier situation is then you're one hit away from a uh, walk-on being your starter in Gaston Moore, which is not ideal. Moore's all right as a third-string quarterback, but you don't want him in the game uh, in in an SEC match necessarily with a close (laughs) score. So you're right. I think that they want to protect Joe a little bit uh, for his own sake, of course, and then also for the team's sake. So I'll go false on that as well. We, Like I said, we, we went all the way down that list, agreed on all of them, but that necessarily wasn't how it went at the top of the show. So a little bit of, of differences here and there. Let us know what you think, though. What, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Did we get everything wrong or, or do you agree? And we sound pretty reasonable today. And, uh, of course, we'll visit these at some point. Uh, I guess at the end of the year, we'll look and see how far off we were or if we were right on the money. So it'll be fun to go back uh, in a few months and see if we predicted correctly. That'll be all for today's show. We'll be back soon. Uh, We're still working on getting our show over on the podcast um, side of things, over on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, or wherever you get your, your podcasts. But uh, we will be working on that. So stay tuned. Thanks for being patient with that. As I said, WarworthValReport.com over on the Rivals Network. So make sure you go check us out there. Get a subscription. We've had some great talks over on the forum. Football season coming up really soon. I'm excited. I can tell that everyone in Knoxville is excited. There's kind of a palpable buzz but that's been going around. So should be a lot of fun. We'll be in Nashville for that game against Virginia. Thanks for watching. <laughs>